Well, this morning I want to start by saying that there is a great force in our world. And this force has outlasted all of the great nations and empires the world has ever known. It's more powerful than the most heated hate this world can conjure. And it's loftier than the greatest ideation of the great philosophers of our age. This force is all around us. Even in this room, it's right next to us. It's even inside of us. And yet this force always seems just out of reach. Now, the pursuit of this force has led to the rise and fall of many great people. It's caused people to sacrifice their own identity, their own well-being, even at times to sacrifice their very lives. This force has spawned more movies, films, songs, and poems than any other interest combined. In fact, without this force in our world, even the sun, moon, and stars, the mountains, the hills, the seas, have very little meaning, very little purpose, very little permanence. As you've probably already guessed, this force is love. Love is the greatest force the world has ever known. With love at the center of our lives, we feel anchored. We're living life the way it was intended to be, but without love in our lives, nothing seems permanent at all. Now, before the invention of the Internet and long before the evolution of social media, people would literally write handwritten letters all over the country to local newspapers asking for help with their romance and their love relationships to a woman named publicly as Ann Landers. Ann Landers was the pen name of a woman whose uh, real name is Esther or Epi Lauderer. And for 47 years, Epi wrote the syndicated column, Ask Ann Landers. Anybody remember that? You know, we're dating ourselves here, aren't we? For nearly half a century, Epi provided wisdom and insight and what it meant to live into love, to live a life of love. And because of that, she is one of the premier authorities on love, which gives a great deal of weight to her definition of love. It's here on the screen. She says, love is a friendship that has caught fire. It's a quiet understanding, a mutual confidence, a sharing and forgiving. It's loyalty through good times and bad. It settles for less than perfection. It makes allowances for human weakness. She says, if you have love in your life, it can make up for a great many things that you lack, but if you don't have it, no matter what else there is, it isn't enough. See, you and I were made for God. We were made for love, not only to know that we are loved, but to live into a relationship of love. But let's be honest. We live in a world where love is all around us, and yet it's just out of reach. Making those three little words, I love you, the heart cry of our souls. Not only do we want to know that we're loved, we want to live into love. We desperately, desperately need to know that we are loved. And so this morning, the first thing I want to say to you is that God's word allows us to live into love. God's word centers us in God's love and allows us to live the kind of life that we were created to live. Let me tell you what I mean. Our world is incredibly unstable. None of us are immune to the wounds and the scars that come from the general drama of life, the instability, the, 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 uh, the ways in which we have been betrayed and hurt and harmed. It seems as if our world is constantly coming unglued. So how do we actually live into love, feel loved in a world that seems like it's constantly falling apart? That's why I'm so excited about the Bible. The Bible centers us in God's love. When we encounter God through the word of God, it makes everything else make sense. 
And so this morning, we're going to look at one of the great affirmations of God's love to us in Isaiah chapter 54, verse 10. The words are on the screen. Isaiah says, though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken or my covenant of peace be removed. Now listen, says the Lord who has compassion on you. I want you to know as we start this morning that God has an unfailing love for you. That God has compassion on you and that it's rooted in something called a covenant of peace. As women and men make the decision to live into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ under a covenant of peace, we live life the way it was intended to live and we experience the love of God. Now we're going to unpack that this morning. What does it actually mean to live into a covenant of peace? But the first thing I want you to hear this morning is that God loves you. He loves you with a tender love, a compassionate love, a love that is merciful and kind, and he proves it through this covenant of peace. And so this morning, I want us to consider the words that literally change everything. If you have love in your life, it can make up for a great many things that you lack. But if you don't have that love in your life, today you're going to have an opportunity to experience the love of God. I'm so incredibly thankful for Dr. Gary Chapman, a lifelong Christian therapist. He's given a great gift to the world through the five love languages. Anybody ever heard of these things? Five love languages. And the basic idea is that you have been created by God to experience or receive love through one of these dominant love languages. Words of affirmation, gifts, quality time, acts of service, physical touch. Now, if you're one of the very few Americans who's never heard of this five love languages, I want to challenge you to take the test. You can take it for free at the fivelovelanguages.com. Don't do it now. I would be incredibly offended as I've worked hard to say a few things this morning. But I want to challenge you to take this test because it will change your life. It will change your marriage. It will change your parenting. It will change every way in which you interact with people who are desperately in need of love. Now, Dr. Gary Chapman has identified these five unique ways in which we experience love. That we step into love or we receive love through our dominant love language. Let me give you an illustration. Let's say you walked into the property here today and you were greeted with someone who gave you a firm handshake. Maybe a pat on the back. Maybe they give you an appropriate warm embrace. Now, if your love language is physical touch, that filled your cup. You felt like you belonged, that you were welcome in this place. And I hope that if this is your first time, you feel welcomed in this place. Now, for someone who's a word of affirmation guy, I experience love by people telling me I did a good job and that they're proud of me, right? Now, I'm also someone who is literally crippled by germophobia. And so I frequently come to church a little later than I should to shake as few hands as possible, that get-to-know-your-neighbor kind of thing. I'm conveniently in the bathroom. And so if you want to love me through my love language, yell nice things to me as I screech away in the parking lot at the end of the service. <laughs> now for, in all seriousness, seriousness, though, our love languages, they shape us for better and for worse. But understanding our love language is part of the key to actually how we experience God's love. Now, here's the great news. God speaks all five love languages, and he does it fluently. That you were created by God to experience his love, and you're going to experience that love primarily through one or two dominant love languages. But God speaks them all. God doesn't have any preferences. God will connect with you, and what he wants most is for you to experience his love through your love language. Now, my love language is words of affirmation. 
which makes Isaiah 54.10 incredibly powerful. Before we go back into the passage, I want you to see this by way of another illustration. Because in marriage, the five love languages are incredibly helpful. Now, when I was a young man, I married Jody, I didn't, had never heard of the five love languages, I had never taken the test, and so I was constantly trying to love my wife through my own love language, which didn't work out too well. And over the course of time, as newlyweds discover, the honeymoon phase is over and you start living real life, and now we started experiencing kind of the perennial problems of being a newlywedded couple. And and our problems kept on getting worse and worse, and my solution in my oblivious kind of way was to continue to love Jody through my own love language, which was words of affirmation. Now, for a person whose love language is acts of service, you see the problem. (laughs) Words are pretty cheap to people who want to be loved through acts of service. But I just continued to tell her that I love her, that she was special, that she was beautiful, and all of that continued to fall on deaf ears until one morning at the top of her lungs. Now, those of you who know Jody, you've never experienced this version of her, but there's another octave to her, her vocal range. And I experienced this one morning. She said, if you really loved me, guys, you know you're in trouble if the argument starts with those words. She said, if you really loved me, you wouldn't make me move your car every morning. Uh It didn't even occur to me, but she had to go to work before me, and I was conveniently parking her in every morning, which meant that she had to move my car. And in her perception, I didn't love her because I didn't have the forethought to move the car or not park there in the first place. And so we need to love each other in the way in which we can actually receive that love. The good news is that God speaks your love language, and we're going to see that in Isaiah 54.10. Great news is no matter what your love language is, it's good. God loves you, and you can experience God, you can experience his love through your love language, through the word of God. No matter what your love language is, the answer is the word of God, right? Now, for some of you, you feel loved through gifts. You feel that sense of value and worth as somebody gives a thoughtful gift. For others, it's quality time. And what the quality of time people want to know is that they're known deeply, if even only for by a few people. Why not experience the love of God and quality time through the word of God? Experience the gifts that God has for you through the word of God. And that's what we see here in Isaiah 54.10 is a powerful word of affirmation. Because God tells us that he's concerned with you living into love, and we're going to see that. Now, the first thing in Isaiah 54.10 that we realize is the impermanence of something called mountains and hills. Mountains and hills in our human experience are supposed to be unshakable. Immovable. They're the kinds of things that we can bank on. If I fly to Southern California today and I see the beauty of the mountains, even though they're scorched by flames, I can go there next year assuming that they'll be there. But in Isaiah 54.10, we are, we are given this idea that mountains and hills are impermanent. Now, one day God will shake the heavens and the earth and he will redo the very face of the planet. But the important thing here to understand as we look into 54.10 is that the kinds of things that you have given your hope into, the very things that you thought were immovable, unshakable, uh, that could not be removed, are the very kinds of things that will one day be shaken. You know, there are lots of ways in which we think of the things around us as permanent and unshakable. What are the mountains and hills in your life that you're giving your hope into? In America, for most of us, it's our finances. We have multiple revenue streams and 401ks and 403bs and we have businesses and those kinds of things. And this great high mountain of financial stability 
is something that we think can never be shaken. Now, whether or not you're experiencing some kind of hardship in that area, all of us know what it means to struggle financially at some point or another. Finances are not an unshakable mountain. For other people, it's the traditions and the family way of life, and those can easily be removed. The death of a loved one, a wayward adult son or daughter, Maybe it's that pesty in-law now that has moved in and has altered the way in which you celebrate Thanksgiving. Anybody living through that right now? See, the mountains and hills of life can easily be shaken. They can easily be removed. We find ourselves caring for the physical and psychological needs of people struggling with drug addiction or alcoholism or a spending addiction or a gambling addiction. And all of a sudden, the things that we had hoped for and, and invested in, they come crumbling down all around us. But God's word does not disappoint. Isaiah 54.10 tells us that even though the mountains are shaken, even though the hills are removed, God's unfailing love, his compassion for you, and his covenant of peace will never be shaken, will never be removed. Second, God's word is based on a promise of peace that cannot be shaken, a promise of peace. So let's look at this word. God has made a lot of promises to us in the Bible. And he's taken all of those promises And he's put them into something called a covenant of peace. Now, this Hebrew word for peace is the Hebrew word shalom, which is much more than peace. It's a complex word. It has to do with financial well-being and rest. It has to deal with health and peace. The closest English dynamic to the word shalom that we have is flourishing. I want you to know that through a covenant of peace, you can live a life of flourishing. You can live a life of shalom. So let me ask you this morning, would you characterize your life as that of flourishing? Are you, are you thriving or are you surviving? Because God wants you to live into a life of love where you are thriving from the inside out, where there, are, there, are, there is life inside of you. That's what it, it feels like to experience the love of God. I want you to know whether or not you're hungering or thirsting for love, whether you're riding high in the mountains of life or the hills are falling down all around you, you can live into God's love through the promises that he's made to us through the word of God. And those are found in this covenant of peace. You know, mountains and hills are amazing. I have the the privilege of traveling frequently uh, for my job, and very often I find myself driving over the mountains of Colorado through the hills of California, although I'm thankful that that didn't happen this week. But nevertheless, they're just breathtaking. They're stunning. But there's one problem with mountains and hills. is that You can't see over them. It's not like driving here where you can see miles and miles down the road. And when you're up in the mountains and the hills, all of your mental energy is spent negotiating the twists and the turns. And it isn't until you're through them that you actually see what's on the other side of them. And just like that, the high mountains and hills of our lives have a way of distracting us from what is, to, what is eternal. They keep us from seeing the person of God and the eternal things of God, that God has a plan, that he's working him in history and he's bringing it to completion in Jesus Christ. And through this covenant of peace, God wants you to live a life of love in a relationship with him. Now, the Hebrew word here for unfailing love is the Hebrew word chasad, which means an undeserved love, a love that's based on mercy and grace. Does anybody need the mercy of God in their lives, struggling with things that are larger than yourself? See, God's unshakable, immovable affirmation to you is that you are loved no matter what. That's what mercy and grace are all about. 
Remember Ann Lander's words, she said, love settles for less than perfection and makes allowances for human weaknesses. And that's how God loves us. Now, God does not settle for less than perfection, which is why when God sent Jesus to earth, he lived a righteous and perfect life, and he went to the cross, and he suffered, and he bled, and he died an unjust death on the cross. And through the death of Jesus Christ, this covenant of peace was ratified. God is able to love you in a way that is merciful and just because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And so God has made lots of promises. All throughout the Bible, lots and lots of promises. And he's taken all of those promises and he's put them into something called a covenant of peace. And then he's taken flesh and blood and he's put it on to this covenant of peace and he's given it a name and his name is Jesus. And so in Jesus, all the promises of God are yes and amen. We are able to live into a covenant of peace because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. But for many, our failures and our disappointments and our pains, our struggle with sin, they define us, they enslave us. I want you to know that God doesn't stand on the sidelines of your failures waiting for you to screw up, waiting for you to to, to make an error so that he can say, I got you again. God doesn't want you to base your identity on your disappointments or your weaknesses. If you're struggling in life, I want you to hold on because God's promise is on its way. God is going to deliver you and bring you into a place where you are flourishing and thriving, not merely surviving. If you feel like you're just on the edge, if you feel like you're struggling in a way that that you're above above your head, I want you to know that God's promises are on, on the way in your life. And that you can bank, you can trust, not on the things of this world, but on the promises that he's made to us in the word of God through a covenant of peace. And that covenant of peace is named Jesus Christ. Now listen to this. Jesus says it like this in John, chapter verse, uh, John 7 verse 37. He says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, he says, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow within them. God's love can't fail because it's grounded in the covenant of peace. And when we give our lives to Jesus Christ, Jesus says that within you will flow rivers of living water. You will begin to thrive, not survive. You will begin to experience the shalom that God has created you. And it's all because of what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. Listen to this. Your value and your identity need to be grounded in the reality of God's promises to you. You are who God says you are. You are God, who God says you are. Not the media, not your failures, not your struggles. You are who God says you are. A precious daughter, a precious son, made in the image of God, created for life in Christ Jesus. This is who God says you are. And God's love isn't conditional. He isn't waiting for you to get it right, to live the perfect life, to end your struggles before he loves you. No, he has compassion on you. He loves you with an unfailing love that is merciful. God's word to us puts things into perspective and how we need perspective in our day and age. Amen? The world around us is falling down in many, many ways. You see, it's easy to get distracted in this world and to become preoccupied with the impermanent. The word impermanent means provisional, transient, temporary. I challenge you to consider the ways in which we spend the vast majority of our time and money in things that are transient and provisional. Look at your auto pays and your debits. Look at your checkbook. And you'll find the vast majority of our spending is on nothing more than the things are never going to last. 
With the precious 16 to 18 hours that we have awake each day, how much of that is spent on the eternal things of God? In prayer, in the study of the word of God, in sharing the good news with people who are lost, in fellowship with the saints, how much of our time are spent in the things of God rather than the interests of the flesh? God invites us to live this life, but we have to invest in it. That's why I'm so excited. Look at verse 54, uh, chapter 54, verse 10 again. It says, my unfailing love for you will not be shaken. My covenant of peace will not be removed. Listen now, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Living into a covenant of peace requires one thing, and that is you to acknowledge Jesus is your Lord. To acknowledge that Jesus is the one who sets the importance. That he's the one who tells you what your time should look like and what your spending should look like. Jesus is the center of your life. But for many people, Jesus is nothing more than a decorative item in our homes. Something that we bought at a knick-knack shop. Something that we put on to impress the neighbors. For many church-going Christians, Jesus is their friend or their acquaintance, but he isn't the center of their life. Living into a covenant of peace means acknowledging the lordship of Jesus Christ. You know, behind every love language is what I call a heart cry. Let me explain what I mean. My, my love language is words of affirmation. And what words of affirmation people really want to know is that they're seen. A person whose love language is gifts, they want to know that they have worth. A person who's longing for quality time, what they really want is to be known and to know deeply. And so these heart cries are incredibly important, but what happens when your heart cry is no longer answered? Have you ever experienced that? Maybe in a friendship or a relationship, maybe even your marriage right now, your cup is not being filled up, and what happens? We enter into a season of forlornness or a deep despair. Forlornness is a special kind of depression. It's a despair because it's tied to our soul. Maybe you're weary right now, and you don't know where that weariness has come from. Could it be that you're weary in life because you're not experiencing love the way it was supposed to be experienced? Human beings fail us all the time. Even important relationships like our marriages will disappoint us. But God's love doesn't disappoint us. See, through God's love, we can experience the answer to our heart cry. We can be delivered. We can be rescued from that deep despair that comes when our heart cry goes unanswered through Jesus Christ. Jesus is God's answer to every heart hope. Jesus rescues us from every despair. Through a relationship with God, through Jesus Christ, we can live lives that flourish, that we can thrive, not merely survive. When Jesus, who had done real wrong, was murdered and hung unjustly on that cross, bleeding great drops of blood in that salty sun for a sin, for crimes that he didn't commit, he hung on that cross and suffered and bled and died for everything that you and I have done. Jesus went to the cross and suffered because of, because of our sin, because of the things that we are struggling with in darkness. How we need the mercy of God in our lives. One day, I want to tell you that God will shake the heavens and the earth, that he will twist the face of the earth. In fact, consider just a few of these other promises of God from Isaiah. In Isaiah 24, verse 1, it says, Behold, the Lord will empty the earth and make it desolate, and he will twist its surface and scatter its inhabitants. In Isaiah chapter 66, For behold, the Lord will come in fire and his chariots like the whirlwind to render his anger and fury and his rebuke with the flames of fire. For by fire the Lord will enter into judgment and by his sword with all flesh. And those slain by the Lord will be many. 
He says, all flesh is grass and its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass, the grass withers, the flower fades. But listen now, the word of God will stand forever. If you've placed your life on anything other than the word of God, it won't stand. It will fade, it will wither like the things of this world. But if you base your life on the covenant of peace, the promises of God that are all yes and amen through Jesus, you can have eternal life. This is God's promise to every single one of us, no matter where our ethnicity, our geography, our our socioeconomic status, wherever it might be, God's promise to us is the same. Life through Jesus Christ. All of our sin and failures, all of our shame, the wrath of God was poured out upon Jesus on the cross. And God's word tells us that if we confess Jesus as our Lord, and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Or is that just something that we like to say? When we confess Jesus as our Lord, we acknowledge that he died our death. When we acknowledge that he was raised from the dead in victory over the grave, we acknowledge new life in Jesus. You want to talk about a mountain that can't be shaken. You want to talk about a hill that can't be removed. The resurrection life of Christ in you is something that you can bank your eternity on. It's something that you can give it all for. And if you're giving your life to anything other than that, I want to tell you there's bad news ahead for you. Finally this morning, love is a friendship that has caught fire. These simple words, I love you, are the heart cry of every single one of us. But most people aren't experiencing that. They're not living into that flourishing shalom life because they're trusting in the things of this world. If you're going to place your trust in anything other than Christ, I'm telling you right now, it will be shaken and it will be removed. And in just a moment, you're going to have an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. To place your trust in his death on your behalf, in his resurrection, his new life. In just a moment, you're going to have an opportunity to enter into that covenant of peace. God has made lots of promises to you. But he's taken all of those promises and he's put them into a covenant of peace. And he's taken flesh and blood and he's putting it onto that covenant of peace and he's given it a name and that name is Jesus. And if you've never trusted Jesus with your eternal soul, today can be your day. I'm really excited, regardless of what you think. I'm I'm particularly excited about the conversion of Kanye West. If you've listened to his album, it's an absolute riveting just to hear the words that are coming out of this man's mouth who just a few years ago would have said dynamically the opposite. And in one of his songs, he says, this is my eternal soul as he gives himself to Jesus Christ. Now, instead of holding our breath and seeing what will come of Kanye West, we look to Jesus. And I hope everything that's happening in Kanye's life is authentic and real, and right now I'm choosing to believe that. But what about you? What about you? Can you say that you've trusted Christ with your eternal soul? If not, today is going to be your opportunity. Before we do that, I want to issue a challenge for every single one of us, however. We're entering into what many of us are calling the great year of the Bible. You heard me mention this just a couple of weeks ago. I'm on the the national board for this coalition of networks and organizations that are declaring 2020 as the year of the Bible globally. Now, the first time I heard about this was just this summer, and so I got so excited that I went out and I bought myself a new Bible. 
Now, I've read the Bible cover to cover many times. I love the Word of God. I try to study it every single day. But I thought, you know, a year of the Bible. i got to have a special Bible for the year of the Bible. Now, you don't have to have a special Bible for the year of the Bible. But I went out and I got this Bible, and I'm pledging myself to go through the Word of God again, cover to cover this year. When is the last time our lives centered on the Word of God? read all these Christian books and go to these Christian conferences and stream this great Christian music. There's nothing wrong with any of that. But when's the last time your life was centered on the Word of God? If you want to experience the love of God in your life, get into the Word. And so I want to challenge you, instead of thinking about the year of the Bible as some campaign that's out there that lots of people are doing, ask yourself this question, what does my year of the Bible look like? Could you enter into a year of the Bible by downloading the YouVersion Bible app and committing to do a Bible reading plan every morning? Like me, could you buy a new Bible and make a commitment to read through the Bible cover to cover in a a year? Could it simply mean that you're setting aside 15, 30 minutes every day to get into the Word of God so that you can experience the love of God, the promises of God? Whatever it is, I want to challenge you. Make this year the year of the Bible. You will not be disappointed. I can guarantee you, you make this commitment, you are going to flourish. You're going to find yourself thriving regardless of the hills or the mountains falling down all around you. You're going to experience the love of God in a way that you've never experienced before because you've gotten into the word of God. I want to challenge you. For some of us, Richie's going to come. We're just going to give you an opportunity to respond. I'm going to create a moment of worship, an atmosphere of worship here. For some of you, the very first step you need to take is to say yes to God's love. To acknowledge that Christ has died for you, that he suffered and bled on the cross, and through his death, you can now be forgiven. Through his life and his resurrection, you now can experience new life by confessing him as your Lord. Now, in Cal- at Calvary, uh, oftentimes we go for months and months, and many people have already made this decision somewhere along the way in an adult Bible fellowship class, a DU class, a membership class. Maybe you've prayed a prayer, but today can be your opportunity to stand. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand if you're willing today to say, Jesus is the Lord of my life. If you're willing to say, today I'm choosing to follow Jesus' way. And again, you might have made this decision just recently, and this is your opportunity to stand and acknowledge what God has done in your heart. And we're going to allow this opportunity to just go on for about two or three minutes. And as Richie plays, I want to challenge you, if that's you here today, I want you to stand and say, God, would you forgive me? Would you come into my life? Would you cleanse me from my unrighteousness? And would you fill me with your love? If that's you right now, I just want you to stand and remain standing so that I can pray a prayer of blessing. But don't miss this opportunity. God loves you. And you can enter into that covenant of peace right now by taking a stand. Stand right now if you're willing to say, Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my master. Perhaps you're sitting on the edge of your seat wondering if this opportunity for you. If you're asking that question, the answer is yes. God has compassion and an unfailing love and he longs for you to respond to become a part of the family through this covenant of peace whose name is Jesus. Won't you stand? Stand and say yes to Jesus. I see you down here in the front. Are there others here? Don't miss this opportunity. The Bible says that if you hear God's word, 
today is the day of salvation. Won't you stand? Stand and say, Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my master. I see you down here in front. Are there others? This is not a matter of being a member of this church or that church or being religious. It's a matter of where you've placed your trust. If you've been trusting in anything other than Christ, you are on the wrong road. And today can be your opportunity to step into something that is immovable and unshakable, and that is a relationship with God through Christ. Stand right now and receive God's love and forgiveness. Are there others? not able to stand and ask you to just go ahead and simply raise your hand keep it raised so that we can pray for you are there others here today when Jesus hung on the cross he sweat great drops of blood he was pierced for our iniquities for our transgressions he hung and suffered and bled publicly and willingly so that you could enter into this covenant of peace freely. If that's you, I want you to stand. Don't worry about what other people are going to think. The most important audience here today is your loving Father. Are there any others who would stand and say yes to God's love? I'm going to pray. But I also want to challenge you. You might not know what it looks like yet, but if you're willing today to make a decision to make this your year of the Bible, to put the Bible at the center of your life, again, you might not know what that looks like. You don't have to make that decision here today, but you're willing to come back to the Word of God and to make this the center of your identity. I want you to stand right now as well so that I can pray for you making a recommitment to making the Word of God the center of your life. If that's you, I want you to stand. I know many of you, you're already, you've already made this decision. You're living in the Word of God. But how many Christians are languishing because they have trusted in everything else but the promises of God? This can be your year of the Bible. And whatever it looks like, I just want you to make a pledge. As an individual, as a married couple, as a household, we're going to make this our year of the Bible and we're going to get into the Word and allow God to tell us what, who we are. God is who He says you are. But how are you ever going to know that without getting into the Word of God? And so if that's you, I want you to stand. Lord, I thank you for these four or five individuals who've stood to say yes to becoming a member of that covenant of peace. And whether or not that decision has been made today or in the last few months, Standing and making that public declaration is our way of confessing you as Lord. And so we pray for these sisters and brothers who've made that decision. We pray that you would come now with the power of your Holy Spirit, the power of the blood of Christ, and that you would seal the decision that's been made in the flesh with the power of the Spirit. And for the rest of us who are making this our year of the Bible, we pray that we would spend our lives devoted to this word that you would take the promises of this word, Lord God, and that you would cause us to thrive. We would experience a Bible revival here at Calvary, Lord God, a breakthrough, Lord God. We pray that you would visit us with power because we're investing our lives in the word of God. In Jesus' name.